Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Good morning, church. How is everyone today? Good. Welcome. So good to see so many smiling faces. Welcome back. A lot of you from vacation. It's good to have you back. Welcome to those listening online. I'm Timothy. I'm one of the pastors here. And Arden is a place where you can belong, believe, and become. And we're excited to see lives transformed by the gospel. Uh, We have a, a great mixture of people. Some people are in the seeker category checking out Jesus and whether they want to follow him. Some people are new believers in this church. And then we have some, some mature believers that have been Christian for many years. So no matter where you're at in your stage of life, we just want to welcome you. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts 27. For those of you who are just joining us, we're going verse by verse through Acts. And we're at the finish line. We've got maybe three more weeks left to finish the whole book of Acts. So that's exciting. Um, today we're going to be, as I said, in Acts 27. As you turn to Acts 27, I want to tell you a story. It was March 23rd, 1945. General Dwight D. Eisenhower found himself in World War II. And as he was walking along the shoreline, he was, you know, really discouraged. And it was along the Rhine River where they were stationed at. And the war had taken so many casualties and as Dwight Eisenhower was just thinking what's going to happen the next day, he was lockstep with a soldier who also had his head down, discouraged. And he talked to the soldier and said, young man, you seem a little discouraged. And the young soldier said, I am, sir. I'm discouraged. I'm a little stressed out. And Dwight Eisenhower said, me too. Let's take a walk to the river together to see if we can encourage each other. And along that walk, that young man was encouraged just enough To fight another day. So there are many here today that you find yourself in a place of discouragement. Some of you have had the death of a loved one this year. And it's there's an empty place at the table. Some of you, some of you ladies, you came to church, mascara running down your face. You you wiped away the tears before you came in. But it it was it's been a tough day, tough week. Uh, There's many of you that are entering into a storm or in the midst of a storm. And what we're going to find in Acts 27 is Paul finds himself not just in a figurative storm, but a literal storm. A storm so severe that his ship gets wrecked. So you see behind me, I've got a prop. This was from VBS. Jeremy Young designed this. So thank you, Jeremy. This is going to be one of our props today. So we're going to look at four anchors that will give you hope for a storm. And in this box, you may have wondered what I carried in these boxes. I have these little... Handmade anchors. And uh, what we're going to do at the end of the service, as I said, we're going to talk about four anchors. I'm going to have some anchors on the stage. And if some of you are in the storm and you need something that will give you hope, uh, you can write on this anchor with a black marker what it is, which anchor is going to minister to you. So let's read Acts 27, 1 through 3 to begin with. And we're going to talk about the first anchor. It says, And when it was decided that we should... Set sail to Italy. How many of you would like to go to Italy? Wouldn't that be nice? 
we were doing an Israel trip meeting, and there were some people in the group that said, all right, we're going to Israel, but if you guys go to Italy, we're on board, because it's biblical. Paul went to Rome, so we'll see. We'll see about that. They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to one named Julius, a centurion of the Augustan Regiment. So entering uh, the ship of the Adrian, Adrian, excuse me, Adriatum, we put to sea, meaning to sail across the coast of Asia. Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. And the next day we landed at Sidon. And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him liberty to go to his friends and receive care. May God bless his word. So the first anchor we have is anchor of preparation. So when you think about preparation, you often think about getting ready for a trip. But what I want to get to you today is something I hadn't thought a lot about. We've talked about God being the peace in the storm and God getting you through the storm. But did you realize that God prepares you before the storm? We see so many examples through the Bible of that. You think of Noah before the flood came. What did Noah do? He built an an ark. Now, God doesn't always verbally, tangibly show you or tell you that a storm's coming. But behind the scenes, he is preparing you for the storm. So what, what's amazing thing about that, when we look in the scripture, I want you to look back at verse 1. Who did God send to encourage Paul? He sent a centurion named Julius. A centurion named Julius. And the thing about Paul is, no matter what he went through, God always sent people to encourage him along the way. So I want to encourage you today, if you are in a storm, or if you're about to go in a storm, God's going to send you your Julius. He's going to send you someone to encourage you. To say that it's going to be okay. Now, Julius, we're not told a lot about him. He was a centurion. It said the, the Bible says he treated Paul kindly. He gave Paul special freedoms, let Paul see some of his friends, and that was encouraging. But even before this storm that Paul's going into in Acts 27, there were storms prior to that. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. How many of you feel kind of struck down right now? Feel kind of uh, pressure. And he says, always caring in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of the Lord Jesus might be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is working in us. But life in you. So what is Paul saying? He's saying, listen, I've been through my share of storms. I've been through my share of heartbreaks. I've been through my share of disappointments. I've I've had plans and plans got changed. I've had great dreams, but my dreams got dashed. You ever been there? You have great plans and then things happen. I'll never forget. um, This is a quote from an unusual person. But Mike Tyson said everyone has a smile on their face until they get punched in the face. So it happens, right? You're all smiling until life hits you very hard. This is not on your listening guide, but 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28, Paul says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. So think about that. How many of you, after getting whipped 39 times the first time, you'd say, I give up, right? We live in a world where if someone doesn't show you the love or you're not welcomed as you think, you're like, I'm never going back to that church again, Right? Uh, we live in a world where if we got thrown in a prison, we're like, I, I'm, I'm leaving this Christianity thing. Paul's like, listen, I got beat 39 times, five times. But he kept coming back because something was real inside of him. He said, 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Now, for everyone that's under the age of 40, I've got to explain that this is rocks, okay? Not what you think. Okay? I was hit with rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. So here's the thing. Paul said, listen, I've been through it all. Like, if you, if you want to show me your scars, I've got bigger scars than you, right? If you want to tell me your horror story, I've got bigger ones. So he can relate. He can relate to storms. And he finds himself in this storm right now. But what's interesting is God prepares you before the storm. And one way God prepares you before the, before the storm is peace. He gives us peace before, during, and after the storm. In Isaiah 26, 3, the, the, Isaiah says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now think about that. You will keep him in perfect peace. In the storm, it's hard to have perfect peace. The only way you can have perfect peace is if your mind is stayed upon God. In John 16:33, Jesus said, I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have what? Tribulation. You will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So I want to encourage you right now. God is preparing you for the storm. And you're like, that's really encouraging, Timothy. Well, it is encouraging when you're in the storm because you were battle tested before you got into the battle. You were storm tested before you got into the storm. And it reminds me of the song. It is well with my soul. How many of you have ever sang that song? Almost everyone in here sang it or heard it. But do you know the story story behind it? Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer in the 1800s. And he was very successful. He had real estate in Chicago. And everything was going well for Horatio until it hit. His son was four years old and he also had four other daughters. And his son got scarlet fever at the age of four and died. And, you know, he's just so devastated. He's just like, you know, I'm serving the Lord and this happens. And we're not told what his emotions, emotional reaction was. But this was the year 1871. His son died. A few months later, if things could not go from bad to worse, they did. The Great Chicago Fire broke out. And Spafford's real estate investments, a lot of it got burned down. It was a great loss. So he lost his son. He lost a lot of his real estate holdings. So two years later, he, he rallied and he still had his wife, Anna, and his four daughters. So they decided to go on a vacation, a much-needed vacation, a getaway they, they wanted to go to Europe, so he had all the tickets purchased to go on a boat, and business dealings happened, so he sent his wife and four daughters over to Europe, and he said, listen, as soon as I am done with this business dealings, I'll meet you on, on, on the other side. So they, they headed off to Europe on a trip, and the unthinkable happened. He got this telegram from his wife, Anna, and the telegram was very short. It contained the words, saved alone, saved alone. What had happened is the boat that his wife and four daughters was in, it got struck by another boat. There was a crash. And all of his daughters, all four of his daughters died at sea. Only his wife was left. So think about where he's, what he's been through. His son has died of scarlet fever. His four daughters have now died. And now he's having to leave where he's at, rush to rescue his wife. And while he got on a boat to go see his wife, they stopped at the, the spot where they think where his daughters perished at sea. And that's where he penned the words, it is well with my soul. 
So you're like, how could a ratio say it is well? I mean, that seems impossible. Your, your five kids are dead. Uh, like business is, is not, not as important as family, but it's not going well. Everything's going horrific for you. How can you say it as well? The only way he could say it as well is he was prepared beforehand. And that's the amazing thing about storms. Before we enter into Acts 27, how many times had Paul been beaten? How many times had he experienced heartbreak? How many times had he had been shipwrecked? So what I want to encourage you, and these words are going to come into the screen, and I just want this to marinate in your, your, your soul, to soak these words in. God never sends his child into a storm without first preparing his child for the storm. Before the storm comes the preparation. The God who controls the storm is the God who also prepares you before you get into the storm. There is nothing that you're presently facing that God has not already been working to prepare you for what's coming. And when you're in the storm, you will find that God is giving you fresh grace to get you through the storm. So what I would encourage you, life is going to happen. We're not a prosperity gospel church where we think all is going to be well. No, life is going to happen. But here's the good news. God is preparing you for it. There's nothing that you will go through that God will not prepare you in advance if you'll let him. God is the great teacher. He's constantly teaching you. So the first anchor anybody need any preparation? There you go. So, second anchor we're going to look at is presence. So as, as we're in this boat ride with Paul, cruising along the coastline, isn't it interesting to know that we can throw an anchor out? And by the way, the purpose of an anchor, let's explain that. What is the purpose of an anchor for a boat? What does it do for a boat? Right, stability. It helps you stay in place. So as the storm waters hit your little boat, and they will, and your boat's going to do a little rocking and shaking, you can throw this anchor out of presence. And when you look at your passage, look back in your scripture, in verses 4 through 26, and we don't have time to go into all these details, but what we see is God is present with Paul. We mentioned Julius. God sent Julius, and it's almost like, Paul, you're, you're getting ready to stand before a crazy guy named Nero, but I'm going to send a sane guy named Julius who's going to encourage you, right? You're getting ready to go in that job interview, but I'm going to send that person that's going to give you some encouragement before the interview. You're getting ready to go see the doctor, and the outcome may not be what you hope for, but I'm going to, I'm going to have someone text you saying, I'm praying for you. God gives you his presence in so many ways. So when you look at this in verses 4 through 12, Paul basically says, you know, guys, um, I don't think we should sell on because we need we need a port here for winter. And I think if we sell on, it's going to mean disaster and it's going to mean potentially loss of lives. And you're like, Paul, why are you saying that you're the preacher? You shouldn't be giving navigation advice to the sailors. But something Paul knew is the sea. By this point in Paul's life, I didn't come up with this calculation, but one of the Bible scholars followed his missionary journey, journeys, there's three of them, and he said by this time Paul had traveled some 3,500 miles on sea. So he knew, he was, he was sea tested, right? And he knew that this time of year, the winter time, the seas can get very bad. And if you're not careful, if you go out when you shouldn't, there can be disaster. So just a little bit about this boat. Let's throw the picture of the boat on, on the screen. There's the map. I think we have a boat. Yeah, this was an unusual boat. If you notice, this boat had 
a main cell that was, you know, pretty good size. And then it had a four cell that was like a large square. And you notice instead of a rudder, they use these oars to steer. So here's the type of boat. This was the grain boat Paul was on. They're carrying wheat or grain. This type of boat was sturdy, but it wasn't good with steering. And the problem when you enter into a storm, if you can't steer, that's disaster, right? And here's the thing. A lot of times you enter into a storm in your life personally, and if you don't know how to steer, it's a disaster. So part of this message is to encourage you that Jesus will help you learn how to steer. When you can't see, he will be that rudder. The Holy Spirit will guide you. The Holy Spirit will direct you. And when we see in these verses, they they set out and Paul's like, listen, I don't think you should continue. And we're going to see that God gave Paul a prophetic warning. And we're going to go in detail in a little bit. But this prophetic warning, an angel came to Paul and said, listen, you guys got to stay with the ship. And I'm going to save your life. And he, he, the God was speaking to him. So we see the anchor of presence. So as we look at the anchor of presence and we talk about storms, there are basically two types of storms. And we talked about this in weeks past. But there are storms of correction and there are storms of, does anybody remember? Perfection. Right. Good. One person remember. The rest of you will remember next time. Storms of correction are meant to get you back on track. Right. In other words, you've gone astray and you get back on track. And I'll give you an example. I may have shared this once before, if, if I remember. But um, I remember in the eighth grade, God was calling me to go to a private school. And I'm not saying pro or against public private, but I was called to go to Christian school. And God really got a hold of my life. And that time, God started working in my life. I, I began to surrender to the call to ministry. And when I was 14, I got distracted by a girl. Right. Go figure. So I left the Christian school God sent me to, and I went pursuing this girl. I, I switched schools just to chase after her. And I'll never forget it. I was in, uh, it was like Future Farmers of America class. Or anybody ever take Future Farmers of America? Like, what were you doing in Future Farmers of America? I don't know. I was in that class. It was easy. I took it. And the next thing I knew, a guy threw an acorn as hard as he could through the classroom. It hit my eye, gave me a black eye. And I was just like, I was like, I don't want to go back to school. I mean, I had this huge black eye and, and looking back, I didn't know what it was, but it was a storm of correction. God was telling me, Timothy, I called you here. You're chasing some girl to go over here. And guess what? That got my attention. So I went back to the school and basically surrendered to the ministry. And I've I've been thankfully on course ever since, but I did take a diversion. Right. And so that's a storm of correction. A storm of perfection is not that you've done anything wrong. It's you're following Jesus. And yet he's allowing storms to grow your character, to refine your calling. And this is where Paul finds himself. He's in the dead center of God's will. He's not done anything to deserve this storm, but God's allowing it. Not for his sake alone, but also for those who are in the boat with him. So think about your storm and ask, is this a storm of correction? God's trying to get my attention or have I, am I in the dead center of God's will and God is using this to refine me? So here's what I want to get about presence. If you know that God is present with you in your present storm, no matter what you're going through, you can think God is with me. God is for me. He's not going to leave me. And even though Paul was in this horrific storm, the boat was in dangerous waters. Paul knew the boat was going to crash. He knew God had given the promise that you're going to go to Rome. You're going to testify me about about me before Caesar. And I've never left you. 
So what I want to encourage you, if you know that God is present, why are you so stressed? Why are you so worried? Why, why do you want to just throw in the towel so soon? If God is for you, who can be against you? So anchor number two that you throw out is presence. Anybody need any presence anchor? Jim, you look like you need some presence there. It's wood, so be careful. I got to not have any injuries today. All right. Anchor number three. I want to get a blue one for this one. Whenever you're in a storm, you need the anchor of courage. You need the anchor of courage. And by the way, the reason why I have four anchors is they threw out four anchors in this story to, to stabilize the ship. Just, just FYI. They're like, why did it come up with four? Why not three? Why not five? There are four anchors they threw out. Courage. God gives you supernatural courage in the storm. Now, go back and read verse 8. If you'll flip back. If you don't have your Bible, you can pull up your version Bible app on your phone. It says, passing it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens near the city of Lycia. So they were sailing along the coastline. Let's throw the map back up. For all of my visual, how many visual learners out there that you like to see stuff? All right. Here's a map. If you look in the far right, there's Jerusalem, Caesarea, and they're sailing along the coastline. And all of a sudden you come to a place that's towards the middle, right off Crete, a place called Fair Havens. And what's interesting about Fair Havens, it did not live up to its name. During the wintertime, Fair Havens was a very tumultuous place. It was open to winter storms. So all of a sudden they, they come to a place of Fair Havens, and there's really nothing fair about Fair Havens. It's a small place. And the, the soldiers and others are like, hey, we don't want to go to Podunkville. There's nothing to do here. We don't want to stay here for the winter. Let's sail a little longer. I think it's 45, 60 miles. I'm not good with geography, but, you know, a little bit. It's like a three-hour tour. It's, you know, just a little bit on the coastline. Let's go to a place called Phoenix. Doesn't Phoenix sound good in the wintertime? Ah, let's go to Phoenix. Not Phoenix, Arizona. Phoenix on this map and the Mediterranean Sea. But Phoenix was a bigger port. Much more pleasurable for these sailors and soldiers and whatnot. So here's the thing. Have you ever thought something would be fair havens, but it wasn't? Like you, you sign up for a new job. You thought it'd be a promotion, but actually it became the job that you thought you'd love, but now you hate. You sign up for a relationship. For those of you who are single, you, you date someone and you thought, man, this is going to be Mr. Right. And he ends up being Mr. Right now, right? Like this guy's he's not what I thought. And you sign up for Fair Havens, but it's not Fair Havens. What I would encourage you is to have courage that God is with you even when things don't line up. God is with you even when things don't make sense. So if you read on the scripture, we'll throw this on the screen. Let's throw verse 10 on the screen. He says, men, I perceive this voyage will end in disaster and much loss, not only for the cargo and the ship, but also for own lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And in verse 13, it says, when the south wind blew softly, supposedly they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close to Crete. But not long after, a a tempestuous wind, and that word is literally where we get a word typhoon. It's like this typhoon type force wind broke out called Euroclidon. And when the ship was caught and could not head into the wind, we let her drive. Someone say Euroclidon. You know you're in a storm when your storm has a name, right? All of a sudden, Euroclidon breaks out. And it's like 
you know your storm is bad when they have to name it. So what is your Euroclidon? By the way, this means a northeasterly type wind. You know, it's a northeaster. But the Euroclidon was something that broke out and it started making the boat rock. I mean, the boat was rocking and shaking and eventually it would break apart. And in your life, you will experience your own Euroclidon. You'll experience your own storm that's so big it has a name. For some of you, it may be that divorce you went through that really hurt and you thought you'd never love again. And all of a sudden, even though that person walked out on you, God said, I'll never leave you. I'm here for you. I'm going to give you new grace and new mercies every day. For some of you, it may be the time you got fired and your identity was lost because your, your identity was so caught up in a job. And that Euroclidon started shaking your life. And what I would encourage you is to take courage. As we read on in the scripture, God's going to encourage them. The people did not listen to Paul. So let's throw verse 21 on this. He's like, let's not sell. Let's stay where we're at. But after a long abstinence from food, Paul stood up in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me. You ever have anyone say, I told you so? This is Paul. I told you so. So here's something you'll never hear from a preacher. Very rarely. I'm going to tell you how not to do the will of God, how to go against God. You're like, wait, wait, a second, just follow me. If you look at the scripture, if you don't want to do God's will, number one, don't pray before you go. You notice other than Paul, I'm sure he was praying. No one else is really praying, right? If they are, it's probably to a false God. Um, Luke, Paul's companions being the exception. He's got a few Christians with him. So don't pray before you go. Number two, don't listen to the man of God for advice. They're like, Paul, what do you know? You're, you're, you're a preacher. You're not a sailor. I'm not going to listen to you. So ignore any godly counsel. And number three, listen to the advice of people who tell you what you want to hear. You ever been there? You know you have a tough decision. I'm not going to call that person because I know that they'll tell me what I don't want to hear. Instead of telling you what you need to hear. So those are three ways. If you want to not do God's will, just, just do those three things. But if you do want to do God's will, do the opposite. Listen, pray before you go. Seek wise counsel. But they didn't. They continued on. And all of a sudden, this storm. Now, it made me think that, have you ever been in a storm because you were with someone else? It wasn't your storm, but because you were associated with them, you ended up in a storm. Like this, Paul, he's like, if we would have stayed in fair havens, even though it's not that fair, we, at least we wouldn't be in a shipwreck right now, right? But the other people are like, no, let's go to Phoenix. Phoenix sounds so good. They have the best bars, and I'm sure they're talking to these sailors. And they went on. And So just be careful who you're around. In this case, Paul had no choice. He was a prisoner. But be careful. Sometimes you get into a storm because of the people you're around. Just, just a little side note as I was reading the scripture. Verse 22. Let's skip down to verse 22. And now I urge you to take heart. In other words, you need the anchor of courage, guys. Take heart. He says, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only the ship. So bad news, good news. What do you want first? The good news, or the bad news. Let's have the bad news. The ship is going down. The owner's like, oh, all my cargo. There goes my money. I got a, cl- I got a claim bankruptcy. <laughs> the soldiers are like, oh, no, does this mean they're going to try to kill us if, if the ship goes under? You know, the, the, not the, the prisoners, not the soldiers. But here's the thing. The bad news, the ship's going down. The good news, you're going to live. So let me tell you, as a Christian, there's a bad news, good news scenario. The bad news, it seems like this world's going down, right? It seems like a lot of bad stuff's happening in this world. 
The good news is Jesus is going to give us a new heaven and a new earth. The earth's going to be purified through fire. I don't know how it's all going to take place, but it's going to be brand new. So the bad news, the ship is sinking. The good news, you're going to be saved. The bad news, the world doesn't always like you. The good news, Jesus loves you eternally. The bad news, you may get fired. The good news, God still has purpose. The bad news, you may have friends walk out on you. The good news, you still have courage. So guys, some of you, your boat is is doing this. It's rocking. It's about to sink. And the bad news, it may not end the way you think it will. The good news, God will still be with you. The bad news, you don't know the outcome. Some of you are trying to figure out everything. Some of you are such planner and schemers. You've got the next 20 years mapped out. And then God laughs and says, you want to see my plan? You might as well throw your plan out the door. So there's bad news, but there's good news. Let's read on. Do not be afraid, verse 24. We skip verse 23. There stood by me an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I've served, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar, and indeed God has granted all those who sell with you. Therefore, take heart, courage, men, for I believe God will be just as he told me. Therefore, you must run aground on a certain island. So here's the thing. Paul says, listen, we've got to trust that God's promises are true. If God believes it, if God said it, I believe it. If God promised it, he will deliver upon it. So you can trust in God. You can trust in his word. In a world where so much thing is spiraling out of control, when so many people don't know up from down, right from left, when, when the world is shaken to its core, you can stand on the word. You can trust that God will deliver on his promises. And then in verse 30, the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and they let down the skiff into the sea under pretense of putting out anchors from the prow. Paul said to the centurion soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the skiff and let it fall. So here they are in the ship. We're going to have to do a little selfies after this. They're in the ship and Paul looks over and he sees a little boat going down. This is the little boat. Hey, guys, don't go down. If you don't stay with the ship, you will die. So here we have interesting for all my Bible thinkers. There's a theological conundrum. God's sovereignty, his spoken word, all 276 of you are going to live. But then someone tries to escape the ship. And what does Paul say? If you if you don't stay with the ship, you will. So what is it? If God's already spoken something. How is it going to change if someone does something else? This is where the mystery of God's sovereignty and man free will comes in. God's sovereignty is like, listen, all of you, if you stick with the ship, you're going to survive. But if you don't listen to what I say, those of you who leave will die. And that, that's, that's a beautiful thing. People try to debate God's sovereignty, man's free will. You don't have to debate it. They're friends. As long as you follow God's will, it's going to work out okay the way it should, right? So stay with the ship. Stay with the ship. What is the ship? I think we can use this as a metaphor. The ship is whenever you're in a storm, God will give you something to float upon to get through the storm. And you're to stay with what God provides until he tells you to leave the ship. How do you know when you leave the ship? Well, when it starts to sink, that's a good thing. You've got to swim, right? So in your trial, God's going to send you these, these life vests. He's going to send you these flotation devices and he's going to say listen there's a storm but i provided you a ship 
And if you'll just trust me, I'm going to get you through. And even if that ship seems to fall apart, there's still going to be floating pieces that you can still float on, right? There's always going to be hope. Even in your darkest days, there's going to be something your hope can float upon. Stay with the ship. Don't leave the ship. And verse 35, and when he said these things, they took bread, gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, they began to eat. Then they were all encouraged. Someone say courage. They were all encouraged. And they were 276 persons on the ship. Now what's fascinating about this, this ship is Paul is supposed to be the prisoner, right? And all of a sudden the prisoner is transformed into the preacher. This ship it's supposed to be a flotation device to transport grain and the prisoners and the soldiers from, from point A all the way to point B, right? It's supposed to be a transportation device. And all of a sudden, God turns a transportation device into a floating church service. <laughs> so get this. The preacher, all of a sudden, he's the prisoner. Now he's the preacher. The ship is now Paul's sanctuary. And he's like, ladies and gentlemen, there's 275 people plus Paul. And he gets to thank God for the food. He gets to share God's grace. So here's, here's the point with all that. God can turn it around. Right? right now you may be in a bad situation, but God can turn it around. You may feel like a prisoner, but God can turn it around. You may feel like you're going to Nowheresville and your ship is about to sink. But you know what? Take courage. The people that have not ate for two weeks begins to eat. It's kind of like, why didn't they eat? Well, have you ever been seasick? Have you ever been motion sick? You're like, go ahead and shoot me, right? They were feeding all the fish. All the fish were full, but they were, they were starving, could not eat. But take courage. All right, anchor number four. Anybody need courage? William, I think you need some courage here. Ready? Try not to hit you. Oh, okay. At least it didn't hit him. All right. Now i got a white anchor here. We're throwing out anchors in the storm. This is the anchor of hope. This is the anchor of hope. God wants to turn your most worst storm. Now think about your worst storm into your most significant story. So verses 10, verses 21 through 40. You see that in verse 10, Paul's like, I don't think that we should sail on. This could turn into a bad situation. And when you read on in verses 21 and following... I want to read verse 20. It says, neither the sun nor the stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat upon us. All hope that we would be saved was finally given up. So here's the thing. How many of you have ever just lost hope? You're like, man, I, I try like this depression. I've tried to see doctors. I've tried to get on medication. I've tried counseling. This depression will not leave. Anxiety. I, I try to get over this anxiety, but I just have panic attacks. It won't leave. Like a lot of us need hope. Hope is something that keeps you secure in the storm. Hope is something that keeps you moving forward. So I want to encourage you, if you need hope, the way you find hope is to find God's promises. What we see is an angel of God appears and gives the message of God and said, Paul, I'm going to save you. And I'm going to say the other 275 of you. Now, what's interesting, Paul's in a storm because these guys did not want to listen and they, they wanted to go to Phoenix and the storm happens. But God flips it. 
and said, okay, you may be in a storm. I knew you were going to be in the storm, but because of these guys' bad decision, but because of one person. And by the way, we're not told this. This is what I called sanctified speculation. But I can imagine Paul's praying for the 275 other guys on board, don't you think? He's interceding them. God, I know you've promised me to be saved. I know that you've promised me to stand before Caesar. But God, I want these prisoners to be saved. I want the helmsman to be saved. I want Julius to be saved. So an angel appears and says, Paul, you and everybody else is going to survive this storm. So here's, here's what I want to get to you. Whenever you're in a storm, it's so easy to be inward focused. How many of you have ever lost a loved one, ever experienced a, a health crisis, and the only one you can think about is who? Yourself. Right? That's natural. That's natural. What is supernatural is where you're like, all right, don't just save me, but save the others. Don't just help me, but help the others. What if God can turn the storm you're in into your story? What if your storm you're in becomes something of significance? So that's where hope comes in. God, I know I'm in a situation right now, but God, you can turn this setback into a comeback. God, you can turn this trial, this test into a testimony. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but God, you can do it. So they eat, they're encouraged, Paul breaks bread, they pray, or Paul prays, and all of a sudden, now they're listening to the preacher, right? Before, they're like, we don't want to listen to you, let's get rid of Fair Haven, let's go to Phoenix. But now they're like, all right, we better listen to that crazy preacher. For those of you who weren't here last week, Paul, we're told, we're not told in the Bible, but historical account, said that Paul was small, he was bow-legged, he was bald, and he walked with... You know, this little, it was just, he, and he had a unibrow. So he wasn't the most pleasant thing to look at. But guess what? God's hand was upon him. It didn't matter what he looked like. So, whenever you're discouraged, you need an anchor of hope. You need an anchor of hope. All right, Zachary, heads up. There you go. You got the anchor of hope. So I want to summarize this into one sentence. Let's throw the big idea on the screen. Let's say it together. God is for you and with you, even the most difficult storms of your life. So when you read Acts 27 and you see all these details about this boat and throwing out four anchors and the boat, the ship end up crashing. I just want you to remember that God is for you and with you. Like he promised Paul, you're going to go to Rome. You're going to stand before Nero. And listen, you can stand on God's promises in a world that. It feels like the boat is about to crash every day. You know the savior of the storm and he's going to be with you. All right, four action steps. And these go in with the four anchors. The first one is to prepare. If God prepares you before the storm, the question is, are you listening? Are you responding? How do you prepare for the next storm? Well, you, you get with God. You, you, you treasure his word. You do like you, you're doing today. You're in church. You're, you're connecting with people. So like... There, the bad news, good news. The bad news is there's a storm coming. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what your Euroclidon is going to be. It's going to come. How do we know? Jesus said in this world, you're going to have problems. Storms will come. So prepare in advance. Get ready. All right. Action step number two. Presence. What would it look like if starting today you began to walk in the presence of God? What would it look like today is because you spent time with God and the Holy Spirit not only lives within you, but like he's leading you. Whenever a storm came, would that give you peace? 
knowing that God's presence is with you because you've been walking with him before the storm. You're walking with him during the storm, and you'll be with him after the storm. Amen. Third anchor, third action step, courage. You know, a lot of us know courage is there, but we have unhealthy, unbiblical fears. We talked about this two weeks ago, I believe. What you've got to do is take all the negative thoughts in your mind and replace them with biblical thoughts. You know, Satan will lie to you that you're going to be destroyed, that, you know, this is going to wreck you, that you'll never be the same. And God says, no, I've got good plans for you. And the fourth action step, and we close, is hope. Learn to see the significance in the storm right now. So here's the thing. Right now, the storm you're in will turn into a story. It will turn into a story. What you're going through right now, one day, you'll be able to share to others. Can you imagine the 275 other guys on the boat, what they shared after this storm? There was this crazy guy named Paul, and you won't believe what happened. There's significance in your storm. So I just want to give you these four anchors, and uh, we're going to close in a little bit. The worship team's going to come up, and I'm going to have some anchors on the, on the front. I've got a few left. If you something struck your, your heart and you want to get one of these anchors, I just want to encourage you to take it home with you and write in a black marker what that is. Is it courage? Is it hope? You can hang this from your mirror. You can, you can, some of you guys have the belt buckles. You can have it right there. Because God has given us anchors so that we can be secure in the storm. Let's pray. Father, your word is true and powerful. And God, I want to pray, first of all, for all the believers here and those listening online. I know there's some storms. There's some gentlemen here that their hearts are broken with stuff that's happened. There's some ladies here, as I mentioned, they came to church, mascara running down face because of the tears they've shed this week. And God, I pray that they would know beyond any doubt in their mind that you're not just for them, but you're with them even in the storm. So as believers pray, if you've taken your eyes off Jesus in the storm, maybe you've been astray, maybe in the storm you ran from Jesus instead of running into his arms, just tell him. Jesus, I've ran. I've not been as close to you as I should. Forgive me. Forgive me. As the believers pray, there may be one here today that you may or may not be in a storm, but you know that you've never asked the Savior of the storm to come into your life. You've never asked Jesus to save you. And the Bible says that he stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. But you've got to let him in. You've got to let him in. If you've never asked Jesus to save you, no one looking around, I just want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. You've never given your life to Jesus. Anyone here today, never given my life to Christ. If that's you here or watching online, I just want you to say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I've never invited you to save me. And today I want to make that decision to ask you into my life. So Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, save me. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I do believe the good news that you died on the cross and you rose again. And today I commit my life to serve you. Father, thank you for being the Savior of the storm. We love you and we give you praise. And all God's children said, Amen.